everyone, and welcome to another episode of My Climate Diet, the podcast where I'm shedding the pounds of greenhouse gas emissions. I'm Lisa Pettibone, and my boots were made for walking. This month, I'm focusing on perspective, turning the podcast from my climate diet to our climate diet. Last week, I answered questions from a listener about travel and green banking. This week, I return to the question of travel, getting some advice from a former student who talks about how to travel with eco-sensibility. I'm excited to share my chat with Olivia. My name is Olivia Shoemaker. I'm from Muncie, Indiana. I go to school in Bloomington at Indiana University. I major in international studies and I focus in development um, and then business management and German, which is why I'm here. And how good is your German, if I may? It's... B1, B2? I took took advanced here. I I couldn't order my coffee without them replying in English. Okay, that's good. So I've taken it for about two and a half years now. Okay. So So you can go out and have a bit of a conversation in German. Yeah, I don't freak out anymore. It doesn't start beating. Yeah. That's the key. It's good. Well, I hope you stick with it because that's a really fun thing, I think. I love German. Yeah, it's been fun. Um... And then how would you rate yourself in terms of climate awareness? Mm. Well, I think that's hard because I think my efforts I would like to rate high, but there's, I mean, always so much I don't know. But it's something I try to stay very aware of, and it, it's something that really permeates every day, like every action that I do, and I think that's a good spot to be at, thinking about it. It's, I mean, it's kind of a trick question because I feel like there are people who are very climate aware, mm-hmm. but who don't actually walk the walk. Yeah, I, I feel like that too. Um, and then there are people who don't care that much, but they just don't like meat or right. they don't ever travel. So right. I just like to hear kind of what climate awareness means to you. And we're, well, here, let me phrase yeah. it a different way. What are some things that you're doing that are particularly climate friendly? Things you're proud of um, where you think, I'm doing this Definitely. for the planet. Yeah, I guess my journey was that the more I learned about it, the more it just felt like these are things I had to do, so I didn't feel mm-hmm. weird. Like, the more and more... I had been, like me, for example, since high school. So, like, for the past six years, I've been learning about how bad it's been and and trying to act on that. And then it wasn't until I was here, and I was, like, finally morally to that point where I was like, okay, I'm just not going to do it. And so I haven't eaten meat except for when I was traveling. I was hosted by a family in Germany and, you know, a little bit of a stomach ache. But when it's in my control, I never do it. And Berlin's a great place to do that. Um, I mean, this is a good place to start because yeah. I think, I mean, you, you've raised two excellent points and I don't want to get too far off track, but I <laughs> really like them. The first, I mean, to me, one of the things about being active in taking a role Mm -hmm. in um, protecting the climate is the more information you have, the more you can kind of decide, well, what is it worth it to me? You know, this piece of bacon means this many more carbon emissions. Exactly. It doesn't taste that good. I don't need it. Exactly. Right? Or this skirt is this many more climate emissions, but I really want it, so it's okay. That you kind of make more conscious decisions. Yeah. And it, it, so it's not, 
this idea of giving up things. It's an idea of just being more aware. Exactly. Um, and yeah, that idea of, of eating meat when you're traveling is really where the rubber hits the road. It's something <laughs> yeah. I've had a lot of issues with too that I kind of say when other people are cooking for me, right. I let them cook what That's they exactly want. That's exactly how it, it played out. And I mean, especially if I'm going to a different country right. and I'm experiencing a new culture, right. I want to know what they're doing. And it's hard balancing so. that. Right. I mean, what I do on the flip side, though, is I try to cook a lot of vegetarian, then I cook vegetarian for people who are meat eaters. Right. So then I kind of get that meat meal yeah, back. Exactly. Your turn. <laughs> but, so, so that's the good stuff you're doing. What's your biggest climate sin? Hmm. I know it's a tough one. Flying. Mm-hmm. Especially being here. Like I said, I'm traveling for two weeks in a lot of different countries. And this is a good thing to talk about here. (laughs) And I'm flying to a lot of those places. And that's something I've really been grappling with. Um, Because, I don't know, it's hard for the little things to feel like they mean a lot. Like buying secondhand, not eating meat, even knowing like what kind of alternative milk to buy. Like all those little things feel kind of less important when you're taking like seven flights (laughs) in a month. Yeah. But it's also like, okay, I'm young. And they want to see these places. And I also want to learn, you know. So it's hard to, to balance that. That's uh, Well, that's why you're here, right? right. Um, so you took a class with me last block. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean anything to the <laughs> listeners here. But you've taken a class with me on sustainable development. She's a great teacher. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and um, you wrote in your paper that you wanted to travel with eco-sensibility. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Basically, what that means to me is there are three big components when you travel that I wanted to be more eco-aware about. And so what I wrote about, I think, was transportation. So how I got around to and within these cities. Housing, if I stayed in a hotel or if I stayed in a hostel and realizing that those differences have implications. Mm -hmm. And then also food, again, um, whether that was like not eating meat or, or knowing where that food came from. I just really wanted to to focus on that because when you're traveling, it kind of feels like a break and I don't want climate action mm-hmm. to, to feel like a chore. Right. And so I just wanted to become more ingrained in like in how I live and how I see places. But you don't want to be giving up things on vacation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you also don't want to be trashing the planet. Exactly. I don't want to be giving up the planet. So it's, it's like... <laughs> you know, it, this is something that I've thought about a lot. I mean, I have the benefit that I have a young child, so it's mm-hmm. hard for me to fly anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was traveling a lot, I kind of would try to do a big block mm-hmm. and hit it all once. Yeah. So when I went to South America, I went to Brazil for three weeks and we did it all. Mm-hmm. So I feel like... Brazil, check. Done. I don't need to go back. It's true. Is that something, I mean, now that you've been, is this your first time in Europe? I came in 2015 for about a month in Hamburg. So yeah, the the first time, I guess, living here. Okay. And I mean, I would guess that since you've lived in Berlin that you want to come back now. Oh yeah, if the sun comes out. (laughs) It's a little gray outside right now. Um, But yes, I would love to come back. I mean, that's the other tricky thing about travel, right? Is you get these new tastes and these new interests that you might not... I mean, I say I Berlin, uh, sorry, Brazil, Czech, but Berlin, not Czech, right? right? I mean, I did the same thing that you did when I was in university. I did my summer abroad and now I'm living here. Right. You know? So... 
do you have any thoughts on that? I guess when traveling, I don't know, because as you, as you live life, you, you need different things from different places. And so it's hard to know. I don't know. It's hard to know when to, to make those options available or like if you should just live simpler. Like if you, with the internet, do we need to go to all these places or should I ditch the internet and go to all these places? And so it, and it, inherently I'm interested because my major is international studies and so I really want to yeah exactly like learn all these things um but then it also feels kind of I don't know I just don't want to be one and done (laughs) right I I mean it sounds like what you're saying is I mean traveling internationally is Mm -hmm. important to you Mm -hmm. this is not something that you're necessarily willing to give up yeah exactly and so this idea of traveling with eco sensibility is a way to say I want to travel this is important to me and I want to do it in a way that makes sense. That's true. Right? Yeah. So you said that you're going to be traveling for two weeks yes. in Morocco after this. Um, that's one of the places. One yeah. of the places. Okay. Yes. So so tell me more and tell okay. me how you're in- incorporating this traveling with eco-sensibility into Definitely. your trip. So we are going to Spain and Sevilla for three days. And then we will fly to Morocco and be there in a few different cities for a few days. And then I will have... A layover and lives in Portugal, and then I'll be in Rome for a few days as well, and then I'll fly back on May twenty second. So it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> um, and I'm going with Maya and oh okay and Jen. We'll say hi. I will. And I'm. It's hard knowing what I'm going to do when I'm in these places. Like for example, I was looking up diets because that's the eating part is the food and every time i looked up what to eat in marrakesh or tangier in morocco it, it had the word chicken in it mm-hmm. or meat and so those are things that i know i'm gonna have to prepare for mm-hmm. and then if those things are out of my control when i want to experience a culture when i'm traveling i know that i will need to be more aware in other areas like we're probably going to walk in morocco and we're not going to fly between towns we're going to take cars or something like that and so just planning ahead and or like when you're planning a tour maybe instead of a bus tour you take a bike tour it's those kind of options Mm -hmm. that you that you kind of have to think about ahead of time and when you get there well that leads me to my last question which is what practical advice let's say i'm Mm -hmm. gonna i'm about to plan my next trip Mm -hmm. what should i do or what are some tips that you a little research to know what you're even um getting into and then also, yeah, just thinking about alternatives and not in a way that it's something you're giving up as, a, as an avenue to experience new things where you feel more genuinely connected to the place probably if you're, you're hurting it less. Mm-hmm. And I would just, I don't know, I would advise that it's not a, it's not a sacrifice and it's, it's really a good way to leave your mark and let a place leave its mark on you if it's, if it's a, in a genuine way that... Yeah, you're not hurting, hurting the environment. Mm, I like that. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I had um, an acquaintance come and stay with me in Berlin, mm-hmm. and it, he was also probably about your age. Um, he was in college, or he wasn't in college. He was about to start the Marines, mm-hmm. and he only went to McDonald's. Yeah, while he was here. Exactly. Was so sad. It's really sad, and and it's those kind of connections where you realize that the, they're all related. It's like you don't think about that 
but if you're, if you're trying to be sustainable, you're probably not going to go to McDonald's. You're going to be more in touch with the local place anyways. Mm-hmm. And it's just a great way to just for everything to be more, more genuine and connected. So eat more local. Eat more local. Eat more kind of cultural, culturally cultural. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Um, do you have any other th- final things you have to get off your chest? Oh, it's okay if not everything fits in your suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with it then? Then you take it to your donation oh, center very that's good. set up by our wonderful CIE program. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for taking hey, the time. Thank you, Lisa. And yeah, have fun in Morocco. I will. I'm really jealous. (laughs) Thanks again, Olivia, for chatting with me. I really enjoyed listening to her tips on how to reduce emissions when traveling without adding guilt to the trip. I think the main point that she made, which is really great about climate action in general, is being mindful about the different choices we make, because this helps make choices that are lower emission. I'm traveling in a few weeks myself, and re-listening to our chat, made me think that I should look into local specialties on where we're going so that we can check some out. Thanks for listening. I got another email from Frida Meese this week, who tried out my recipe for homemade deodorant and wants to know how to keep it solid. Thanks for asking. I realize I haven't updated you all on how my deodorant experiment is going. I made a batch with the shea butter that I bought a couple weeks ago, and it works really well. But as you've discovered as well, Frida, it basically turns liquid in these hot temperatures. So I put my deodorant stick in the refrigerator and I take it out for a few quick swipes once or twice a day. My husband also uses this deodorant stored in the refrigerator, but he stores his in a plastic tub. To use it, he scrapes a bit out with a spoon and rubs it on with his fingers. I've thought about adding more cornstarch for the recipe for summer, but I haven't tried that yet. And I actually like the refrigerator hack because then I have really nice, cold, refreshing deodorant and it hasn't been as annoying as I feared that it's not in the bathroom with my other toiletries. But my friend Josh, the homemade deodorant expert from episodes six and seven, he's usually left his deodorant in the refrigerator and said he was gonna try to make it into more of a gel that he can leave in the bathroom. I think this is actually a better idea than trying to pack it full of cornstarch so that it stays solid in the summer. If you can find a way that it works to stay as a gel and that you can apply it that way, that might be the better option. Also, the book that I referenced in episode six and seven by Smarticular, they have different recipes for deodorant that's a rollerball or that's a spray those might be easier to make and stay the consistency that you like in summer. Anyway, I hope that helps. Keep me posted if you manage to convert anyone else to your homemade deodorant. And thanks for listening. Next week, I'm going to chat with another former student about food waste. Thanks for listening. For links and more information about what I talked about this week, go to my website, myclimatediet.org. The music in this podcast is by David from Kvetz. I'd love to hear from you too, so feel free to write me an email with your climate question or climate solution to lisa at myclimatediet.org. Rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, share it with your friends, and consider starting a climate diet of your own. Because if we were all to go on a climate diet, it wouldn't be the end of the world.
Schäfer rum. Atomkraft. 